Good day, everyone. Today we have my sister, Alexandria Wilson. Alexandria Wilson is a Chicago native and currently studying for a master's degree in social work, focusing on the intersection between health outcomes, food security, and justice. Stay tuned for the first few minutes of our conversation. She discusses her journey through her BSW, her decision to pursue a MSW, and her experience in the Peace Corps at Botswana. In part one of this episode, Alexandra Wilson and I converse about growing up in Chicago, where she witnessed her friend getting hit by a police car when she was eight. We talk about defining the word protest in the context of ableist language and how collective action draws attention of those in power. We talk about the current movement, which could be named as the Black Lives Matter movement, and the civil rights movements being male and cisgendered centered. The use of prayer, scripture, and oil in preparation for protesting and protesting in a privileged community versus a less privileged community are also discussed. Also, you have the privilege and the pleasure of enjoying a poem by Alexandra Wilson that she wrote for Breonna Taylor, Sandra Bland, and Ayanna Stanley Jones. And it's an honor to interview my beautiful black sister, Alexandria Wilson. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Good day, everyone. My name is Arthur Maxipal II, and today we have a beautiful soul, a beautiful lady, a wonderful person in today's society. We have Alexandria. Mm-hmm. You can call me Alex. Andrea Wilson is um, a Chicago native from the South Side. West Side, Austin. Oh, uh, see, almost. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. So, like, she's from the West Side, Chicago. Um, she's currently studying um, for her master's degree in social work focusing on the intersection between health outcomes and food security and justice. Now, y'all, she had tried <clears throat> to send me a short bio. And you know what, what, what I'm not about to do? I'm not about to just limit her bio to that. So, Miss <laughs> um, Wilson, can you explain to us how was your experience getting your undergrad and then what have led you to picking, um, going to... Uh, Uh, achieve your um, master's in in, uh, social work yeah wow bringing it back to undergrad so that was definitely a journey um I honestly um am really proud of where I am right now because I did not think like I was going to go to college at all (laughs) and then bam I don't know where I'm like getting a whole master's degree um but I really was drawn to social work um because I'm I'm the type of person likes to dabble in a bunch of different things and I think social work allows me to have or go for a career that brings me like purpose that's meaningful I guess I work with individuals communities as well as take on like many different roles like social workers wear so many different hats and you really don't have to limit yourself in the way that you strive for like social justice racial justice um equality so that's why I was really drawn to it um but like right after undergrad, I also have my BSW, so a bachelor's in social work. I actually worked um, in the Peace Corps and went overseas to Botswana. And that was a really jarring experience, just like being a Black American in an African country and 
just kind of dealing with the, the cultural differences and also dealing with like still being around like your white American counterparts at the same time. That was very interesting experience. I could go on about that, but. Um, well, no, so it's like, I was gonna ask you like, so, so first of all, yeah. for, for like the listeners and for mm -hmm. people who don't have a, a globe right here next to them, um, where yeah. is Botswana? It's right above South Africa. And then I believe there's like Namibia and Zambia, like right on top of it. So it's B O T S A N A. Botswana, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful country. So how did they how did they view you? I know like a lot of people um would say that a lot of uh African countries look at American black people as like a like I, I don't wanna be, you know, y'all not really like us. So mm -hmm. were they really like loving and caring or were they really like you know, kind of standoffish? Like, how, how did that play out? Um, the individuals that I, like, had, you know, like, for example, my host family, love them. We connected so well. Um, you know, they never made me feel like, I think a lot of what I got was, like, you know, you look like us, but you don't talk like us. You don't speak Sesuana, which is their, um, like, national language. Um, and that was really um, hard to explain. Like, I'm from the States, and they're like, wait, there's, Black Americans, <laughs> like what? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So that was probably the most difficult thing. But for the most part, I felt pretty welcomed. It was just, I will say there was, you know, since I didn't know, like didn't believe, I had to like really um, try to prove or like reinforce that, you know, I'm from the States. Um, I think that like, you know, there's a definitely a double standard. Like I'm expected to know certain. I was expected to know certain things to understand certain things about like Botswana culture, where like you know maybe my white counterparts were given a pass. Um, so that was definitely hard when you're like literally acclimating to a whole new culture and country. Um, that was difficult, but I mean, you know, it was a learning experience. I'm grateful for the experience overall. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, so. Uh, Thank you for um, serving the Peace Corps. How, how long, how long were, you in, were you in the Peace Corps? Yeah, I was there for a year. So okay. I came back home early and took on another like public service role. Um, so yeah. Okay, well, yes, thank you so much for that. Um, and um, how was growing up in Chicago? Like we're gonna mm -hmm. talk about protests, but um, um, you know, Chicago has really been one of the one of the pivotal points in regards to um, addressing um, how do I say black people's retaliation to injustice. A, a lot of the a lot of the mass media has really shown a lot of Chicago protests more than other other cities. Um, historically, not just um, during this time, but even when we go back to um, the Watts riots, the the Baltimore riots, the I mean, even when you even when you look at a, uh, you know Trayvon Martin, you know just during that time, there's a lot of a lot of uprising, a lot of uh, uh, um, a lot of um, actions being made by Chicago natives, both in Chicago and people that that are that are from Chicago. So I was going to ask you, you know. How how has it been going up in Chicago in the context of of, of justice? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think growing up, you especially as like a young black child and 
as a black person in Chicago, um, you definitely can see the injustice. Like Chicago as a city is like one of the most segregated, segregated cities, I think in America, and I could be wrong, but I mean, it's a city of neighborhoods and you can literally like, literally see the inequality and see the disparities. Um, for example, I grew up in Austin um, and that's like considered to be a middle income um, neighborhood but some areas you know like there's no grocery stores and like yeah and like maybe you know the parks aren't really um well taken care of and then if you like go up north right to like edgewood and you just see like wow are we in the same city that's how it feels every time i go up there i'm like are we in the same city <laughs> um so it's something you're always aware of um and then it kind of just becomes like it just kind of feels like just becomes a part of your experience, you know? And I think now as someone who's like gone and got like her degrees and like, you know, is becoming more active in like social justice movements, I'm thinking more about how can I change that? How can I improve my own community? How can I, you know, use my voice to get rid of these disparities? But I also realize that there's been people for years doing this work and I think the bureaucracy within Chicago makes it very difficult um, for any of that change to really happen. And it's really unfortunate. So what does, so I'm about to get into protests, but I, yeah. I, I, just, I just really like Chicago. Like Chicago is a place where some of my favorite uh, leaders are from. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite preachers are, um, you know, um, shout out to Trinity UCC. Um, well, some of like my favorite people are from Chicago. Some of my favorite uh, you know, artists, writers. I mean, things yeah. come from Chicago. Chicago has some of the best people. Um, shout out to Common. And so, Chicago, I was going to ask you this question before we get to protest. I was going to ask you, um, did you have any experience growing up with uh, law enforcement that was positive or negative? That's a great question. Actually, this memory has been on my mind so much in like the last few weeks. Um, like I remember, you know, I'm a little kid, probably around like eight, just riding the, the bike down the street with my cousin, like, you know, just being kids in our neighborhood in Austin. And um, there's an alley and my like cousin's ahead of me and a police car like hits her. Yeah, like just flying out of the alley, you know, not thinking about who is, might be coming out into the alley. And she's, you know, pretty young, she's younger than me. So she's like screaming and crying and our like family is right around the corner. Cause my whole family like literally lived on the same block for a while. Um, right. And I think the most memorable thing is the way that the police officers reacted. They didn't seem to like have any empathy or remorse for what they did, they kind of just stood there like, and my uncle was really getting in their face. And, you know, I can understand like for everyone that might've been a very like emotionally heightened situation, but they're police officers and they should have the ability to, you know, go into a situation and do the right thing, right? Like they're trained to do these things. Um, but that, that memory sticks with me. Cause it just like, in that moment, I just felt like the police didn't care and they weren't for me or my family and and, and unfortunately, that both the officers were white as well. And I think that growing up as a black kid, like you're very aware of like racial dynamics, like <laughs> off the bat, you know. So that that really stuck that in for me. Um, 
and I have had like some good experiences with officers, um, but mostly, you know, with the Chicago, they've been not as great, unfortunately. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive on into the questions. Um, later on in this conversation, we're going to talk about um, some of the racial uh, disparities and health disparities um, mm -hmm. within Chicago. But let's get to the meat of the conversation. Then we'll yeah. get back to that at the end. So my first question is, how do you define the word protest? I'm, I'm really big on dictionaries. And <laughs> you know, I prefer the Oxford over the Merriam-Webster. Y'all okay. Merriam-Webster if y'all want to. But, um, but I, like, I like the Oxford. You know what I'm saying? I like Oxford. Now, a lot of, a lot of words are used in contexts that are not necessarily their, their definition. Uh, their formal definition and then a lot of people just use certain words interchangeably with other words even though the other word might have a different connotation to it like perhaps um riot and protest like even mm -hmm. now i said watch riots earlier even though they were really uprisings <clears throat> then when um people quote dr king jr um they say riots is the language but but like even though that was like the actual quote um the context in which it's used now people look at riots as a very negative thing whereas back then it was like the same thing as saying somebody um re retaliating retaliating and mm -hmm. so i was gonna ask you um what do you, like how do you define that word protest what does that mean to you yeah so for me i think that you made some good points like language is very important and i think um words get conflated a lot of the times um but for me i think protest the way i conceptualize it is um i think protest in a way is like kind of ableist language because i think when people think about protesting they're thinking about you know what's happening when people going out marching right but not everybody can do that and i think that like a lot of people get you know a lot of crap for just like you know finding other ways like maybe you are on twitter sharing information maybe you are on like instagram you know um i think there's so many different ways to protest and i don't think protest is this one big act i think it's a act of like everyday action and choosing to stand against something um i think that like um white folks like teaching their family members about institutional racism and like telling their family members to like stop being racist the act of protest um so yeah i really think that um the way we conceptualize protesting can be a little bit binary but i think it's so much bigger than that it can be like a fluid like uh, everyday action as well mm. so why is protesting important um when it comes to teaching when it comes to picketing when it comes to having conversations why why is protesting important yeah i think especially now um people need to have their voices heard and i think that when you're trying to make like these huge system level changes you got to be loud <laughs> and you got to be you have to work as a collective as well and i think that that's what we're seeing right now because if we're trying to reach like congress our mayor and even if it seems in the moment that they're not listening i think the collective loud action everybody doing their part doing what they can is super important and really gets that 
that gets our voice heard um, and get those messages across of what we want to see. Because if we if we don't protest, if we don't if we don't act or do anything, uh, we won't see the changes that really. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of people um, want to protest um, and for whatever reason, they feel like they can't protest, even though mm. they know that there are multiple ways that you can protest. For whatever reason, they choose not to. So my question is, why, why did you decide to protest? Actually, I was not going to protest. <laughs> Let me explain. Let me explain. <laughs> um, I, you know, with the death of Breonna Taylor, and I really feel that in the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the women's voices and violence, police violence against women has definitely been, and when I say women, I'm including trans women as well. Um, I think those voices and those stories have been kind of buried underneath this narrative. Um, well, I guess I feel that the Black Lives Matter movement is kind of like uh, cisgender male-centered. Um, so at first I wasn't gonna go because I feel that Black women do a lot of the heavy lifting and they're always on the front lines and they do, they do a lot of the work. And I felt that, you know, the death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, they really hurt me to the core. And like, I will always ride for Black men, period. <laughs> like, nothing will ever stop me from doing that. Um, but I wanted, especially in the wake of everything else going on, like coronavirus and all that, I was like, mm -hmm. let me let the allies do the heavy lifting, you know? But I think after watching like news outlets and seeing the violence against protesters, it really angered me. And I was like, look at all these peaceful protests and police are retaliating against um, nothing really like trying to control um, society, um, which is just not okay. And I just felt like it was, I wanted to get out there as well. Um, and that, you know, if I wanted to make sure that um, like Breonna Taylor and her name was said, I should be there screaming it. And that's kind of where I landed with that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've been saying that a lot lately that when, when it comes to a lot of movements, well, actually, let me make this clear. Every mm -hmm. movement in America that has been focused on the inequality and the injustice of Black people has been male populated. Like, it's been male-centered. Even when you look at the civil rights movement, with the, the leadership, was mostly male. Um, when you, if, if you want to go from the Nation of Islam to um, the Southern Leadership Christian Conference, or the, what's it called, the Southern the Southern Leadership Conference? Mm -hmm. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, they they both were spearheaded on an, on a national level and on a grassroots level by men. Matter of fact, people like Polly Murray, Annie Polly Murray is mm -hmm. one of my one of my favorite people in history, she really called out uh, the leaders of the civil rights movement um, for doing that. Even when you look at the March on Washington, there's no women up there, yeah. even white women. When you look at, um, even when you look at, uh, you know, the people that, people's names that we know now during the Black Lives Matter movement, um, we know a lot of Eric Gardner's, we mm -hmm. know a lot of, you know, Excuse me. We know a lot of uh, Tamir Rice's, but where's the Rakia Boyd's? You see what I'm saying? Where's the 
Miriam Carey, you know what I mean? Like Kayla Moore, like I'm saying these names and people don't even know who I'm talking about. So like, that's, that's really a problem because there is actually like sexism, even when it comes to um, Black Lives Matter movement, civil rights movement, just the fight for equality and justice. It's like, are we fighting for justice for black men? Or are we fighting for justice for black people? You see right. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's a really big issue that I think should be should be tackled um, in many different conversations. I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought that up. Not just because you're a woman, but just because in general, like that should that that should, that should be brought up in every conversation in regards to uh, <clears throat> racial injustice. Because we're not talking about just heterosexual, heterosexual Christian black males. We're mm-hmm. talking about, you know trans women you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. talking about women that are um black women that are suffering from all the things that men suffer from and men have to suffer from being a woman too all right those are two completely different dynamics um so yeah. there's a really a really good really good, good conversation on that with uh james baldwin and audrey lord they had did a really good conversation about that and james baldwin was really heavy on well, black men suffer from this. Black men do this. And Audrey was like, yeah, but you don't understand how it feels to be a black woman and to be like a woman and to be black at the same time. Like, you yeah. you can't understand that. You mm-hmm. still benefit from male privilege. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, black women are so loving and so caring and so nurturing and so understanding and so forgiving that... Black women like will still ride or die for black men, even though a lot of black men don't understand that they can never feel the weight of sexism. See what I'm saying? Because of because of um male fragility and because of um because of uh because of sexism and because we live in like a patriarchal society. <laughs> so my next question <laughs> is um well, first of all, I want to say thank you for 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 ultimately deciding to protest. Um, and you protested in, in many different ways. I've I've seen you protest um, online on social media, and you've also protested um, uh, in the streets. I really appreciate that um, because uh, you know, sixty years ago, most of us were not protesting, and now it, it seems like most of us are protesting. More more of us are uh as far as percentages are are a concern and 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 people like you are really helping to get get this issue on a national level so i really appreciate that um how how did you prepare for protesting now when i ask this question i don't mean prepare as in like hey i had a mask because of covid and i had water because i'm thirsty and it'd be hot i'm talking about how did you prepare you know, spiritually, mentally, psychologically, how did you prepare to go out for protesting? Yeah, um, I think for the first protest that I went to, um, I definitely like (laughs) said a prayer, that's for sure. Um, And I had like put some oil on me (laughs) and prayed. Um, That was definitely like two of the things that I did. But I think, you know, I had to make some decisions like, internally um and also like with the people that I protested with like my group but to myself like what am I willing to do you know what am I 
how far am I willing to go to like, you know, support this movement? And so I think like we really do have to make choices when we're out there because I'm not just protesting for me. I'm not just protesting by myself. So whatever I do is going to affect my fellow protester. You know what I mean? If I, if I'm like pissed and I'll throw something at a cop and then cops start swinging, we're all going to start getting it, you know? So I really have to <laughs> make decisions like, what am I willing to do? How far am I willing to go? And like, what are my limits? And I have to be honest with myself about that. Um, I went to another protest um, last Friday, which is Breonna Taylor's birthday, say her name. Um, and I actually wrote a poem for her, like before I went. Um, Cause I went into that space, I wanted it to be about her. I wanted to celebrate her birthday, you know? I'm like getting a little bit emotional talking about it, but yeah, like that was a really, intimate like for me it was a, a very special moment i wanted to make someone to make a special for brianna and i wanted to remember her so yeah like these protests have been emotionally involved you know like i don't know about some folks but sometimes i come home and i'm just feeling so tired but also um fulfilled as well and just like connected you know um i don't think people not everybody realize feels that way or real, recognizes like the emotional um emotionality that comes with protesting is we would love to hear the poem <laughs> yeah okay i can i could do that i could read it <laughs> right now it's not yeah <laughs> okay give me one second okay y'all man y'all y'all get in y'all get in some exclusive content y'all lucky she was not about to read it. She was not prepared. I wasn't. <laughs> so That's bear with her. <laughs> Let me find it. Um... I'm trying to get my oil right now and, pr and pray your strength. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I can't find it. Here we go. Okay. So the name of the poem is I'll Make a Space for You. And also, I think that you know, like women a lot of times we're seen as like strong, like all the time. And I think that, you know, we don't have to be strong all the time. We can be soft and so delicate, all those things. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I just like to push back against that in a way I'm also celebrating Brianna and pushing back against the idea of like the strong black woman as well. Cause I think in some ways it can be um, very containing, but I'll begin my poem. <laughs> Take your time, this is, this is your time, this is your space. <laughs> Thank you. Flowers for Brianna, Sandra, and Ayana. Lay them somewhere silent where we can hear them, whether they choose to speak or whisper. We will make a space for you to be celebrated. This space has a sun, moon, stars, a nice sky and a dawn, mornings that carry that summer smell. We will remember you as you were here, soft and burgeoning your name carries promise of a future in the wake of your absence there will be healing and destruction i will make a space for you a resting space for the soul somewhere where your pain is held your blackness is not sequestered by your womanhood in this space we hold you up high to heaven your sun-kissed and radiant upon a sea of brown loving hands we will find you justice in the meantime find your peace Claps, claps, claps. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful poem. Wow. 
Mm. That was beautiful. Y'all, y'all let that marinate. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share. I appreciate it. No, nah, thank you for allowing me to host you here, to have you here. Um, somebody felt that. So uh, <laughs> let let Alexandria know that like that really that really touched you. You know, you don't even you don't even have to comment on this video. Just like just go directly to her and tell her that you were impacted by that. Um, my next question is. Um, so you have mentioned that, that you had wrote, wrote that poem and, um, I just want to ask you what occurred on the way to the protest? Um, you, you can, you can pick one of the protests just depending on which one you would like to talk about, but, um, what, what, what was going on on the way to the protest, and then we, we, we can get into what happened during and then after. Yeah, um, I actually kind of want to speak to the very like stark differences between both protests. Um, because I went to one here in Ohio Park where I live, and then um, one on the north side of Chicago. So, in like Ohio Park, south side of Chicago, right? It was, I was scared because <laughs> um, there was, you know, helicopters everywhere flying around. There was a man with like an AK, AK-47, whatever, whatever assault rifle that was. Um, like, you know, it was a bit, the environment, like you can feel it in the air, like just like a heightened sense of fear, like arousal. Like there was just this energy in the air that kind of like had me on edge, you know? Mm. Um, and although, like, you know, I'll say when I got there, it was peaceful, but I'll talk about, like, before, um, I noticed, like, when I went on the north side, like, on the way there, there was, like, the energy was just different, you know? Um, it was just, there just was a more, more of a sense of, like, peace, and I don't know if it, if it was because it's, like, this protest is more so a celebration of, like, Rihanna, um, but, um, but also, like, we're marching because, like, stop killing Black people. Um, but yeah, I think that like, just that energy was so different. And I also think that speaks to like the differences between the city. Um, like South side is definitely more heavier police than like the North side. Um, at least the South and West sides are versus the North side. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, but yeah. So you said like the first one was the one mm -hmm. where where you have saw the person with the with mm -hmm. assault rifle. Yeah. Was that was that like a regular citizen? Yes. Oh. And the police were protecting him. Mm. I was very confused. I had questions that weren't being answered. But. Mm. Um. So let, let's just go through the experience of the first one. Um. So while you were there like what happened during the protest now i'm asking this question and i want to make it clear that like everybody's protest experience is different that's the whole purpose of this of this podcast mm -hmm. um there might be something that happened during your that during your protest that or during your protest protest experience that maybe like 
unique to someone else. So don't be afraid to uh, give detail uh, mm -hmm. when needed. So what happened while you were at the protest? Yeah, um, the first one, honestly, we were just kind of, the police had like kind of blocked um, folks from walking down uh, one of the main streets where a lot of like the shops are and stuff like that. So we were, were kind of just sitting there for a little bit at first. And, you know, like, 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 I, like I said, the guy with the assault rifle was like walking around. Of course, like police were like guarding him, people were yelling at him. Um, but I was like really pleased to see um, just like, folks from all different types of like ethnicities out there protesting, all different types of ages out there protesting. Um, and I don't like to give like <laughs> white people too much praise and like none black people color too, like, too much praise when it comes to like fighting racial injustice. So I'm gonna try not to do that, but it was just really nice to see like folks from all over like, you know, coming together and like protesting this police violence. Um, yeah. That was really nice to see. But I also think that there was just, you know, some privileges there. Like you can tell like some people were like tensed up in that and like some people were like a bit more chill. Like maybe it was just like, oh, this is another protest for me. I've been protesting like all my life, but like I'm older, like white woman, like I'm a little bit more relaxed. Um because like, unfortunately for them, well, fortunately for them, but unfortunately for us, like their experiences with police are so much different. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a stark difference. Um, and then I don't even know if I want to share this, <laughs> but I ended up getting into like a shouting match with like two other black men over nothing, um, which was really unfortunate um yeah he like my he someone told us to like march somewhere else so then we were and this guy's like no we should stay here and like you know what where the police are and my friend was like you know you don't have a megaphone we're not listening to you and then he proceeded to call us nappy headed and then i just kind of like went off on him because why would you mm. do that Thank you so much for listening. I know that it stopped kind of sudden and that's because the recording had went out. So part two would just pick up where we left off. And so I encourage you to check out part two, please. Um, like, subscribe and share. Most importantly, give some love to my sister, Alexandra Wilson. If you learned anything from her, if you are appreciative of what she said, um, please let her know her information will be in the description or in the information to this podcast episode um show her love um she is a black woman in america show her some love um in dorothy heights 2003 memoir entitled open wide the freedom gates she writes my mother helped me understand how not to show off what I knew, but how to use it so that others might benefit. How, how is your knowledge helping somebody else? Who is benefiting from what you know? Thank you so much for listening.
Please subscribe to stay up to date. This is the Wally Protest Podcast. Please check out part two of this episode. I am Arthur Maxwell Paul II. Happiness, health, love, and peace.